Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! Some people believe that there is just one life and there is nothing else after death. Some people believe that there is hell or heaven and you get there after you die. And some people believe that there is actually life after death. So today I would like to talk to you about life after death. What happens after you die? (laughs) I thought you were going to ask me which of the three of your original statements was correct. And then you've kind of just moved towards um, the fact that there is life after death. But what I was going to tell you that actually all of the above were true. Huh, okay. I don't know if you want to go <laughs> that there. That was unexpected. Yes, let's, <laughs> of course. Sure. All right. So it all is a matter of perspective. I think we've been here before, right? So let's look at the first option or the first scenario that you described, right? I believe you mentioned you believe that some people believe that there is only one life. Um, I would like to talk to you about how that could be true in the grand scheme of the universe. So when you come into an incarnation... There are three particular energies that are forming who you are in that moment in time. The three formative energies are the stream from your higher self, the stream from your mother's ancestral line, and the stream from your father's ancestral line. Collectively, they form a new energetic entity that is a trifecta of these energies, right? These collective energies, if you will. From that perspective, the life that you are going to experience as a trifecta connected energy is essentially the only life that you are going to experience from within that setting. And thus, for the energetic entity of you that has been birthed as a formation of these three energies, this is the only life that you will ever have from the perspective of this entity. From this perspective, the statement that you made earlier around this being your only life in in this setting is correct. Then uh, I believe your second statement was some people believe that there is a heaven and then there is a hell. And obviously I think that the assumption that you made was that this was incorrect. While this is not quite as true as the first statement, there may be some ring of truth to it. Because what you believe to be the case, what you believe to be correct as you're incarnated is going to shape some of your experiences that happen right after you disincarnate or leave your body, right? So there is a moment in time as you're leaving your body, as you're exiting, that if you believe that there is hell could be considered that for you, right? So you would be stuck in those energies, um, temporarily, right? That you could perceive as hell or heaven, depending on your own assessment of the life that you lived. Now, is that an illusion of sorts? It is, but 
it does not make it any less true, right? Just the fact that you have created something for yourself and it does not exist for the rest of reality or for the rest of creation does not make it untrue, right? So because you are essentially a creator in your core, a creator in your higher aspects, a creator in your lower aspects, you're obviously very much a captain of your own journey. So from this perspective, if you are expecting to come face-to-face with some version of, of heaven or hell, you will experience that reality. And from this perspective, it is true for you. And then, of course, the last one is probably the most obvious that you kind of expected me to lean into. And, of course, that is also very true. From my perspective, there is life after death. In fact, I don't really perceive death to be finite at all. It's just a point in time. And it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, fr- from, from my perspective, obviously, w- what's real is everything what's more real is everything that happens outside of anchoring into a physical body outside of anchoring into reality so from that perspective death is really an awakening so it's not the finite point it's actually more of like the the first breath if you will so it's it's the the other way around from where i'm looking i'm looking at it almost like from like a mirror reflection what is the end for you is actually the beginning hmm that's very interesting. <laughs> okay, and uh, so what happens when you die? <laughs> the answer, of course, is it depends. It depends on um, first your expectations of, of what you would expect to happen. I'll tell you that there is that collective belief around planet Earth that you're supposed to see some type of corridor of light and you're supposed to be walking in that corridor. And that is what a lot of souls experience. I'll tell you what happens at the energetic level. So first things first, the three forming energies that have created you in the first place need to go where they belong. They would need to recede into their original state. So what happens is this one united energy that is you, the consciousness of you in this life, gets split into the three original sources or three original streams. And each of them goes back to where they belong. However, you know that one of the points of the matrix is everything is movement, you know, one of the hermetic principles. So as these streams disanchor from one another and go back to their original state, that state is no longer the same as it used to be before they had that collective experience. Because every experience really shapes and molds your overall energy stream. So for instance, from your mother ancestral lineage, right? The energy that that mother lineage donated to your body so you could be incarnated has gone through an experience and it has been shifted, altered in in some way through that experience. So it's this altered energy in its own, in in its new imprinted state is going, is the energy that's going to go back to the source of your mothership line. And then the same thing is going to happen to your father lineage, right? So those streams get withdrawn. And then, of course, the last step in this process is the energy of your higher self. That is the one that leaves your body the the last. As part of the withdrawal of these energies, what gets rewritten in that moment in time is the Akashic record of both of your lineages and your own personal Akashic record. So three, there are three uh, records 
that are being essentially created in that moment in time. So up until you quote unquote die um, or go to the finish line or the beginning line, how I perceive it, of an incarnation, there is no record that is being made in the Akashic field because it's actually up to each of these energies to mold the record in a way that serves them best. I think in one of our previous episodes, we might have spoken about the concept of a multiverse um, and the fact that at any point in time, you're actually, you have many parallel existences, even from within the, uh, the same stream. So what I mean by that is every time, so you come into an incarnation and essentially start making choices. Every time you make a choice, there are two versions of reality that are created in, in, um, in the universe. The say like the option where you picked white and then the option where you picked black, just for the sake of simplicity from your limited perspective, you think that you selected one or the other. Let's say you went with white from the perspective of the universe, you have selected both. And so it would create a carbon copy almost of both of these realities. And it would keep following you as an avatar to see what transpires in each of these circumstances, in each of these cases. And so you go through life and, you know, that's how, you know, there could be millions of different copies of the same incarnation created as you go along. In that process, there are certain things that serve you and certain things that don't. And again, when I say serve you, the funny aspect of this is there are three perspectives of you technically and not just one. There is a perspective of you that's optimizing for your mother lineage. There is a perspective of you that's optimizing for your father lineage. And then there is a perspective of you that's optimizing for your higher self. Depending on these three different perspectives, or depending on which perspective we are perceiving from in a moment in time, certain things that happen are optimal and other things are not so optimal. And so as you disincarnate, technically what ends up being left is a bunch of different options and a bunch of different experiences. And so your mother lineage would look at this table of options, so to say, this menu of experiences that you have lived, and it would handpick and select the things that serve the lineage the most. And those are the things that are going to go into the permanent record of that lineage. And those are the energy streams that are going to be copy and pasted into the rest of the lineage. And like, it's almost like the, those are going to form like the droplets of energy that are going to be borrowed by that lineage to reform and reshape what that lineage is. The same thing is going to happen for the energy of your father's lineage. And then the same thing is going to happen for your higher self. So your higher self is going to look at this at all the learnings from this incarnation, it's going to select one optimal path for itself. Really, generally, what this would be is something that comes closest to what your higher self intended in the first place when it send, sent you down here. So that version then would be uploaded to the Akashic record and the energy field of your oversoul. Hmm. When you said one literally just one just one mm-hmm. got it just one however however there is one that is uh, recorded in, into the akashic record field however and i don't know how many of you have tried a past life regression before sometimes from that one optimal timeline 
you would be able to recreate some of the parallel lives. And for those of you that have done enough of these past life regressions, in certain cases, what you would come up with is that you actually remember both scenarios, like both choices. Like, for instance, you might remember, say, like your, your mother died, but you also like somehow remember the situation where she lived and you can kind of like somehow follow both paths. I don't know how many of you have experienced it. Um, if I do like a quick scan, maybe only 2% of you have experienced it, but it's just because not enough of you have done enough past life regressions in the first place. So what I'm saying is, yes, there is one optimal path that gets updated, uh, upgraded, uploaded, sorry, to your Akashic Records. However, as you're watching and re-watching that lifetime, if need be, you may be shown other areas or varieties, other paths. So the way you should think about it is very simple. <clears throat> the optimal path is the trunk of the tree. But if you're traveling up or down the trunk of the tree of that life, there are branches. And while those branches are not activated, they still exist. And if you really, really, truly wanted to, you could activate one of them and go and see what happened. Does that make sense? It's a little complex. Yeah, it makes okay. sense. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Glad to be on the same page. Mm -hmm. So you asked me what happens after death, I believe, right? Yeah. And, and, and I, I gave you a really long-winded story of what happens to the three streams, right? And I'm pretty sure, really, what, what you're most interested in is what happens after these three streams get separated. So what happens after is then essentially for all intents and purposes, what you are present to, the entity of you, the consciousness of you, then essentially there is, you basically start identifying with your higher self, not immediately, but then you stop identifying with your mom's lineage or your dad's lineage. And you definitely start disassociating from your physical body. A lot of people who've had an, like an out-of-body experience or, or like a near-death specifically, um, specifically with near-death, they definitely note that as they exit the body, they don't have an attachment to that body. So they really think of it as a piece of like outlived, outdated clothing that they don't have uh, much of an attachment to. Because actually they had more of an attachment to the energy of the both lineages than the actual physical capsule, if you will, that they lived in. And so you move on. And basically the next stage of your existence is the process of reconnecting back into the stream of your higher self. Now, the stream of your higher self is your purest energy stream. That is your most undiluted energy that obviously exists in the highest possible realm available to you. Your stream that has just gone through an incarnation from that perspective would be considered unclean or maybe not unclean, but um, in, in, in the need of a bath, I guess. So it, in, in the same way that if you, I don't know, if you just went hiking for five days and then you come back to your, you know, back to your home, you kind of like want to take a shower, you want to take a bath. It's like a very natural process before you'd probably want to go to bed into your like in, in the white sheets and everything. So it's not a dissimilar logic before your higher self would want to take you back into the rest and the entirety of itself. It would want you to go through a process that could be thought of as the process of a spiritual bath or reconnecting, right? And it's a, it's a multiple stage process. So you would first experience um, getting into a sortation room. 
it is generally a place and again like th- this part you, there's a lot of this memory collective memory of this aspect of the reconnection back to your original uh, entity there are a lot of people who again had near-death experiences that talk about this you get into a crowded room with a lot of other souls and what happens is in that sortation room there are other spirits that have not been incarnated that are guiding that experience and these spirits know exactly who you are and they are able to based on your imprint they're able to understand the type of experience that you've had now not all of your experiences are created equal and not all of the spirits in the or should i say souls in the sortation room are of the same caliber and of the same rank i guess as, as a spirit right so you're all different is what i'm trying to say and because you're all different your own process of reconnecting back to your higher self energy is going to be very very different for instance if you're a very high dimensional being that is close to source consciousness in in terms of how inclusive your view of self is um your process of reconnecting back is going to take longer than somebody that is say 10 steps below you because it's like the process of ascension if you have 100 steps to ascend or 10 steps to ascend one might take one is a quicker process than, than the other so in the sortation room what ends up happening is the helper souls they're almost like um directing traffic in in this case you are traffic or the souls are traffic right and and this is a bottleneck spot so what they want to make sure is that they're sending you exactly where you need to go so if you're a soul that has had a life of a lot of suffering they would want to send you to a particular space that can be called an in-between space where you could rest and reset the same thing if you had like a life of where you caused a lot of suffering they would send you to a whole other place where you could recoup in a very different way so basically they would look at you at face value and would understand what you're missing in this moment in time and by missing um imagine like in in this incarnation and i've kind of already given you like a similar analogy by going through this experiences you've kind of like you're kind of like accumulating sediment or dirt on on your light bodies and there's no way that they would be able to send you upstairs without you going through some some type of like very rudimentary cleaning and so cleaning and healing by the way right so you know these guardian souls uh, or guiding souls would basically attribute you to um one of the rooms where you belong for some healing and you know um just um yeah, it's generally healing slash cleaning um, experience that is very custom to you. Generally, those experiences are pre-planned. Uh, very often, you would be placed in a room, and it is a solitary room. And by room, I, I use the word room very loosely, by the way. It's more of a cell. And by cell, I use that also very lightly. How do I explain this? Basically, it um, there's a door that opens, and then you're being led into something that looks like a white bubble. And then you're inside of this white bubble. And then essentially you get inside of this white bubble and it is an experience that is custom made for you, but nobody is really guiding it. It's the greater consciousness that's guiding it. And there are about a thousand different healing 
treatments that are available to souls depending on the experiences that they've gone through. And then those experiences are also custom based on which dimension you're coming from. So there are so certain level of commonalities for souls that are getting disincarnated from a 3D realm, 5D realm, 6D realm. I think you catch my, my logic here. And so they would be sent to uh, a particular cell that has the programming interface of healing that would be able to deal with the entirety of the experiences of that realm and that dimension. So you, you go through that experience. It um, can last from very little to quite a lot. Not that time really um, is measured in that realm, but there is no specific quote unquote time that you spend there. Um, the next experience is actually you being uh, reunited with like basically you, you walk out of that experience and then the, it feels like a little bit like arriving in a like in an airport or somewhere where like your relatives are awaiting you like you've all had that experience probably you know when you like go to visit your um your family and they pick you up at the airport it's kind of, it feels like homecoming uh but it's not yet the energies of your higher self you're basically being met with the lower aspects of your spiritual circle. And those could be the people that have been um, with you since the beginning of time. So your soul family. And so you get to reconnect with them. And so there's a lot of comfort and um, there's a lot of healing at the soul level, at the heart, in the heart space as well that happens dur during this period in time. And then very often there is a reconnection of beings that you have just lived your life with. So say somebody really close, I don't know, like a mother or sister in, in the life that you just came back from, um, somebody that, you know, you would potentially want to see would generally be greeting you here as well. But it's, again, it's their lower aspect. From there, you would generally be, again, and that is before you get reunited with, with your full aspect, aspect of self. Um, then you would generally go through um, an experience where you would analyze the life that has just happened. Um, it, this particular experience actually is very custom, um, at a certain level of soul development, they are able to have this done as a solo experience. So, you know, your, your higher evolved souls would be able to go through this, it's called the viewing stage or the viewing experience. Essentially what happens is at hyperspeeds, you're able to sit down and look at every single day of your life at hyperspeed. And so you could also move back and forth between you know the different stages of your life and see exactly what happened. Only the way that you're experiencing your life is very multidimensional. So when you're incarnated, the way you're experiencing your life is I would call single dimensional because you are a single point of consciousness, right? You as an incarnated being. And what you're perceiving is your perspective. When you're looking and viewing your life from the soul level, you're able to see the full impact of your actions, your thoughts and your feelings, not only on the people around you, but the rest of the planet the rest of the galaxy and the rest of the universe. So you're getting like this almost like macro goggles, if this makes sense. And so in, in essence, you would be just seeing a scene in your life, maybe something from your childhood, right? That you at that point in time just perceived as an individual consciousness and say you like there was 
something from your childhood and you pushed somebody and, and it might have been accidental or whatever, but like that other kid, let's say they, I don't know, they fell and they, they hit their head or whatever. Um, and maybe I'm describing something that's a little morbid, but bear with me for this analogy. In that moment, in the soul level, you, what, what you would be able to see is what you felt in the act of pushing, what the act of pushing made the other human to feel like, what the earth felt like when that person hit the earth, etc., 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 like the full ripple effect. That is what you call the butterfly effect. But the butterfly effect, where you're able to see every single aspect of reality that got impacted by your choices. And this is the big come to Jesus moment for a lot of souls. Because up until this point, you actually have no idea what kind of life you've just lived. Because what kind of life you've just lived goes so much above and beyond your own perception and really circles around the perception of everything and everybody around you. And mind you, not just the living beings, not like humans, right? So literally, how did the tree feel? How did the grass feel? How did the sun feel in relationship to you? And at the end of it, basically all of those experiences are kind of bottled into the overall impact that you had. And I don't want to say that it's like a score, but it kind of is like a score. You know, was it a positive impact and a negative or a negative impact? And exactly how positive was it or how negative was it? And then generally there are like multiple impacts that are the precursor to this larger impact. So first you would measure the impact that that life had on you, the entity of you. Then you would, as a lower self, you would measure the impact that that life had on the entity of you as a higher self on the entities of the people closest to you. And like I said, and then you go to the macro level, like the planet, et cetera, et cetera. If you are not a very evolved soul, and this is by the way, where the, this whole premise of Christian judgment day comes from and being judged for your actions. This next uh, facet that I'm going to describe is where that rumor stems from. If you're a younger soul, you're unfortunately are not able to do the viewing experience by yourself because you're not at a point where you're able to learn and understand what you should have done to not have caused what you have caused. And so generally those viewing experiences are done in a group setting. So there is a you, you know, and your life essentially that you've just lived. There is a panel of other souls that could be considered your teachers or your mentors. Generally there's between four and nine souls that are advising you and they're watching alongside you. And then on top of that, there could be spectators. Spectators are other souls that for one reason or another have an interest in learning from this incarnation. And of course, it, it's kind of like a little bit like a synopsis of a movie. And it kind of resembles a movie theater, to be honest, where, you know, the souls would kind of be like, oh, you know, we have this kid here that I don't know, got. <laughs> I don't know, this this girl who was a witch and she was burned at the stake. Oh, this sounds interesting. Why don't I go see this? And, you know, what, what got her there, right? So there's going to be like a synopsis of this life projected into the stream of collective soul consciousness. And the ones that want to attend could attend and witness everything that you did. And it is a very good learning experience because obviously the rest of the souls get to learn from your experience so they don't have to go through some of that unless they want to, or actually during the time, some of them are planning their own incarnations 
and they're like just seeking new experiences and they might see something that you went through and they're like oh this is a cool nifty thing you know being burned in the stake what a nice little detail why don't i add that to the you know <laughs> um, to as the final destination of one of my next incarnations and so the panel that is watching your life with you gets to stop and zoom in and zoom out on certain areas of your life right because essentially what they have in front of them is your life condensed in um there's a little bit of an energy graph so each of these people i shouldn't even call them people souls um they have like a little monitor in front of them and so your life is represented in um, an energy graph and that energy graph essentially you know has a shape it could be a geometric shape but it's, it's generally like linear and um it it has different colors so the color is correlated with the impact that you're having and the impact could be from gray to gold uh from black to gold should i say um so at any point in time looked, looking at this graph they know where you caused pain or where pain was caused to you or you know they can you know if, if it's black for instance or gray these generally signifies the energy of pain created or pain received and then there are golden um aspects of the spectrum and these are the the positive impact that you've created and so they can zoom in and zoom out on things and and call out and say like well why don't we actually look here collectively right and you know you have to watch it and then they may ask you questions it's kind of like an exam or a quiz like what should have you done in this situation to not have experienced this much pain that's a little bit kind of like an exam but not really and really they're here to help you and to mentor you um, very often one of these people on the panel would be your guardian angel or the, the the soul that really took a lot of responsibility for you as your guardian angel and then there's going to be one of what you would call your main teachers or the soul that is responsible for your personal development and expansion so they would generally preside over your incarnation uh, and they would provide feedback to you based on how you lived your life and you know what sort of corrections you would need to make in the future from that viewing perspective generally there is some space that is given to the soul for processing during this space the soul generally gets into the creative room uh, the creative space the creative space is something that each soul can customize based on what they want and it is pretty much the last well um there, there's one more step the um second to last should i say step before you get reunited with the consciousness of your higher self so here you can spend as as much or as little time as you'd like and generally speaking souls would tend to relive some of their happiest moments here so they would tend to recreate some of the scenes maybe they're the house that they lived in and that is their way of like closing the door and fully integrating the learnings from this incarnation um, and then when they're done and ready to move on and they can exit the space and the last thing that they go through is a spiritual shower so there's really it's it feels like um, a waterfall of light and they need to pass through the waterfall of light and beyond the waterfall of light essentially is the energy of their higher self waiting to be reunited with them um, as soon as they pass the waterfall they get I don't want to say sucked in but it kind of because they're part of their entity of their higher self that serves as the largest magnet for this part of you that has been projected forth so you kind of get magnetized back into 
the rest of you and essentially you, you form you complete it you, you form you get back and, and it becomes whole again and that is when you get rejoined with 100% of all of your memories and also all of the new learnings that have come through since you've been absent right because you have within you you've always held um, a hologram of all of the learnings um up to the point in time when you left the rest of your higher self and projected forth into an incarnation and then stuff happened when you were away but you don't you're not fully yet aware of what actually happened because stuff always happens when you're away and then you came back and all of a sudden you're like back in you know plucked into the same socket but it's not the same socket right mm. as above so below because that socket th the rest of you has already moved on the vibrations have already changed Right? right, And in that process of unification, not only do you come back, but you bring with yourself all of the learnings as well. And so essentially in that moment in time, you change your higher self. Huh. And uh, does it mean that when you reconnect with your higher self, you stop associating yourself with the soul, like as a piece of higher self? And you become whole? Yes, you become whole. It doesn't mean that you stop associating yourself as, as a soul. I mean, you, you you don't really... I mean, that's how you feel at, at a higher level. It as seems higher like... Self. So higher self is uh, made out of many, many different facets. Right? Correct. And... Uh, and collectively, they have one consciousness. Collectively, yes. Yes. And then kind of inside the higher self when you kind of reconnect, mm -hmm. you still uh, keep your um, individuality, basically, like as a, as a piece of soul, as a piece of higher self, what I'm trying to understand. Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 no. It merges with the it rest merges, of it to right? the best of, yeah, to the best of its ability. Yeah. yeah. That may, okay. Now, That's... of course, there is fragmentation at soul level also. Mm -hmm. So if that fragmentation is massive, there are some parts, and like let's say your higher self rejects some parts of itself, they're still going to be somewhat segregated. But this is the the most the, the feeling of the the most unity that you can experience at soul level. Yeah. Now you still have identity at that point in time, mm -hmm. and there is always an identity up until you you get rejoined back with the source energy. Mm -hmm. At which point you stop perceiving yourself as, you hmm. know. That's so interesting individual. because it feels like the higher self is like much bigger than the soul that just went through the incarnation oh, and yes, all these experiences. Does it mean that all the people, oh, there are multiple layers where like the higher self lives and all the higher selves actually live and uh, where souls live? I'm, I'm not sure I understand the question. How do you differentiate between your higher self and the soul? Mm, because the soul comes through all these experiences. It's just part of the higher self. Oh, sorry. Right? That's With where, the teachers that's... and your guides and everybody and the shower and everything. It's just one piece of your higher self. So when I say soul level... I use the, the word soul level and higher self interchangeably in this oh. context. It's one and the same thing. What incarnates is a part of your soul or a part of your higher self, a particular fragment of it that gets sent to do the work. Right. So when when that, 
I mean, it's just very lengthy to call it a part of your higher self, a part of your higher self all the time. <laughs> that's why I call it a soul for simplicity's sake. So but that's it... not the fullness of you. Yes, correct. You know? I mean, we could also say that your higher self is an oversoul and then it may contain with it a bunch of sub-souls, right? Correct, yes. I mean, if you'd like to get really particular, then that is that is how it's done, how it's set up. Yeah, and uh, what I'm trying to figure out is that it felt for me, at least the way I imagined it, uh, like there is a part of the higher self which we called a soul, uh, that goes through this experience after the death until it reconnects with the higher self. But the way I imagine it uh, myself, it's like higher self is bigger, right? And that's why it lives somewhere in a different space uh, instead of this piece of higher self that went through all these experiences. So let's get one thing clear. The piece of you that gets incarnated is not any less higher dimensional, any less higher vibrational than the rest of you. Hmm. It is the same level of vibration. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Well, imagine that you are a pie. I mean, it's a twisted analogy. And then a piece of you has been cut. Right. And then that piece of you got projected into a human. That is still the piece of you. It's not like less higher vibrational than the rest of the pie. Uh, it's still the same pie. But it's not the full pie. It's yeah. just the piece of the pie. Right. That That's why I was thinking that the rest of the pie is actually in a different place. Well, it is bigger. in a different place because it's not incarnated. Right. Right? Yes. But it's not, it's not made from a different cloth. Like yeah. the fabric of your soul doesn't get changed or shifted. So that purity of you gets split. So when you incarnate, you're, imagine you're one stream. And then this stream gets split almost like a rainbow. You know how rainbow is not like one color white? It's all of these seven colors, whatever. And uh -huh. each of them could be like a split. Yeah. Right. So one of these splits is going to go through, say like, I mean, and this is overly generalizing, but I have to give you some, some type of uh, understanding. Um, imagine that at soul level, you're white energy when you're incarnating you have to uh, figure out which part of you is going to go on which mission and let's say that you know that one part of you is really feisty and there is a part of you that contains within a lot of wrath within itself a lot of wrath so let's say you split yourself and you know that that part of you lives in the red spectrum right which is also your root chakra space it's all interconnected right so that part of you is not healed yet of the energies of anger so you would send it on a mission to go and heal its wrath and anger. And you would make for that aspect of you a challenge that wouldn't enable it to face the anger and hopefully come back on the other side victorious. So you split yourself and this red stream of you now goes into an incarnation. That is still considered your soul energy. That is still the energy of your higher self. It just projects forth into a body and then stuff happens to it. And then it becomes, you know, that red is not so pristine as it when it came, you know, came down. Now it has to go all the way. Like it now has to. So the, the descent, what's descending is the purest form of your energy. 
And what's ascending then is the dirtiest form of that energy because it's been through experiences and it's been through very, very dense, low energies, right? So it has to be purified and then it comes back to you. But what happens at your higher self level in this moment in time, if you gave enough, let's say you've sent 100% of your red energy away, then you're going to be like the rest of the rainbow. You can no longer be white. So that part of you is missing. And it's going to be missing until it comes back. Yeah. Then when it comes back, it completes you again and you're white. But it doesn't mean that that was not an aspect of you. Of course. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's clear. And uh, how how many pieces can one higher self have? like many pieces oh my god millions millions yeah huh oh wow okay got it and uh when you said for example uh there is a guide or uh guardian Guardian angel Angel. yeah would it be like still a piece of another higher self or the entirety of the higher self just a different being it depends, actually. It could be a part of them or it can be their full full aspect. So does it mean that in this place, let's call it ether, we have beings that just fully represent the higher self or just a part of the higher self? And there can be many parts of the higher self that do multiple tasks in parallel in this place that let's call it ether. Yeah, so it actually is up to the higher self how it wants to divide uh, its energy. It's up to the oversoul. Some Mm. oversouls like this concept of fullness. And so they would never send a full aspect, like like how I just explained to you the rainbow, right? Like they would never send the fullness of their red energy anywhere because they would be missing that side of their spectrum. Which also means sometimes that they prevent themselves because of that. They prevent themselves from faster growth you actually grow faster when you're able to split yourself into more aspects and get away with it what do i mean by get away with it every time you split yourself you need to have enough energy to be able to do so and not lose yourself in the process right so each of these parts of you kind of require maintenance and upkeep and everything like resources energy when you split it's actually a lot easier to maintain yourself quote unquote when you're one, when you're oneness. Hmm. Oneness is a much more stable energy. It is a lot easier to carry. Separation is a lot harder and a lot more energy consuming. However, separation gets you to the faster learning curve. So when when you've asked me, the guardian angel, it's, it's, it's well, first, first things first, it's somebody else's Oversoul. It's somebody else's higher self that you have a contract with, a divine contract, where whereas they choose to become your guardian spirit or angel, however you want to think about it, guardian soul, and 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 you accept that commitment and you accept that sacrifice, almost well, of that work from them, right? So it's an agreement that that is a relationship that you're going to have. That higher self, though, decides whether they're going to give you the entirety of their spectrum to serve you as a guardian angel, only a portion of their spectrum for that work. Mm-hmm. Got it. Now it's clear. It's up to them. Yeah. Okay. That's great. 
it clarifies it also doesn't mean that you're like also separated because uh, the the one good part about the higher self is it can call back 100% of its energy instantly if it only chose to like if, if the push came to shove I don't know if there was some cosmic collapse or something else um collision what have you or some some event that for some reason your higher self needed to cut down all of its streams and bring it itself back they could do it instantly that's why they're so okay splitting because they know at any point in time they can come back very quickly the reason they can come back very quickly is because of the energy of magnetism hmm. when your higher self when your oversoul calls your name so to say and 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 gives the 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 um, the order to come back it is the strongest pool of energy that you can experience and it is something you absolutely cannot resist hmm. enough so that if your higher self really wanted to bypass the whole process of purification and healing it could and you would have to come back to it instantly huh. got it okay. it would then have to do like it, it would then have to figure out how to like <laughs> not go crazy trying to purify when it's already united you know there's like there is a reason there is a method to this madness there is a reason why this process is in place is because it's the most optimal way to go through this experience yeah right but it's also up to your higher self like honestly they call the shots yeah that's why I, I was actually wondering if it's the same process for all uh, how to call them like cells within the creator like with different hierarchies or is like the specific one that our creator came yeah, this up was, with this one is for our, our creator so it can be different somewhere yeah else. they can be different um essentially they they follow similar sets of steps um sometimes there are other steps there are additional steps that are added uh for certain creators hmm. you know based on their experience but they're not dramatically different got it okay and is there a difference how you get buried after the death like how it can it can affect your basically coming home mm, well the fastest um uh probably the most optimal uh is to be cremated although because basically for as long as your body your physical body is has not disintegrated there is a little bit of an attachment there is a little bit of a cord that you still have to it so if and this cord would only be have the problem it becomes the problem when the life that you've just lived has been fairly traumatic well one quick example of that is some like there are all these souls that have gone through the experience of war dying on the battlefield so when they get connected and it's generally dramatic deaths and deaths that are dramatic and traumatic should i say so it's it creates a lot of trauma in in, in the body and at soul level enough so that sometimes it could create a whole split and a whole new set of uh, like fragmentation these types of souls would not benefit necessarily from being connected to that physical body because you're like okay well it was really a lot of trauma you kind of like want to you know be done with it but because your physical body hasn't disintegrated yet there is that thread that is still maintained with the body for you know until that happens and that's why it's also very very sad for those bodies that get preserved you know for of like uh, uh i don't know like lenin and moscow and stuff like that or you know when, when there are like some of these saints 
Oh, like mummification? Yeah, the mummification or like when when they try to preserve your, you know, body parts for church, whatever. Um, You know, some saints, they they just take their bodies and they never really uh, allow them to fully disintegrate. That is actually really bad for soul level because a portion of your energy cannot rejoin your higher self for as long as our body is alive. So it creates a form of an energetic trap, actually. So that is the worst. The worst part that could happen to you is if that happens to you. Um, otherwise, disintegration of the body happens fairly quickly. Um, you know, it's uh, a blink of an eye of, of, as far as your soul is concerned. So basically, all pharaohs are not kind of <laughs> connected fully to, to their higher selves. D- depends. I mean, the mummies still don't preserve the body fully. I don't know if you've noticed if you've yeah. been to the, the museum. Partially, yeah. Um, yeah, there, there are other ways to preserve bodies that is a lot more, you know, like some of the ancient technologies, they can fully preserve the body in, in its... Yeah, like know, monks. Or like even freezing, you know, yeah. like if you froze, uh-huh. like and your body didn't disintegrate. Like that creates an energetic cord that's really, really hard to break at soul level. Uh-huh. Got it. And uh, w- once you die, you basically uh, descend right away. You leave this planet right away or there is a couple of Oh, minutes, are you asking seconds, me about whatever. ghosts? Uh, maybe ghosts. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. What about them? You choose, actually. You um, there is there is a standard operating procedure like everything uh, at soul, you know, at soul level. You generally stay for the first uh, for the first forty days in and so the first three days after you die, um, is the process of the disanchoring. So this is when the first, it takes about three days, um, for the three streams, um, the the two lineages and your higher self to fully untangle because this is like a marriage of three energies. So for for them to disentangle it takes some physical time. So that's why, you know, the first three days is when your true energy in in the configuration of what it used to be when you were alive still exists. After the three days, there is some semblance of you that exists, which is mostly the energy of your higher self. So one aspect of you is still here. You know, it's still some part of it is still connected to your body for the for the 40 days. And again, at, at soul level, it's a blink of an eye. It's really not that long. And then most souls would move on from there. However, however, there are some beings that are really attached or had a very unexpected death. And because of that, they would go outside of the pre-written script. And that is where you get ghosts and that's where you get phantoms and that's where you get other spirits that are stuck here and cannot move on. And um, some of them also cannot move on because... They've committed so many crimes, quote unquote, and I use that word very lightly, like very um, cautiously, right? Because a crime is what you make a crime mean. You know, there is no no such thing as sinning. It's it's what you decide, uh, um, you know, as a soul, because you are your own worst judge. But because souls tend to have a perception of what's good and bad, right or wrong, and like all of these like uh, uh, the lower aspect, right? There is still a lot of separation, right? So the souls that judge themselves for the light that they have left tend to stick around longer because it actually, as you're ascending, what this means is it implies a certain level of lightness that you need to have in your soul 
to be, be to be able to leave the gravity of this planet and leave the gravity of the matrix and move out right so it's almost like a quantum leap that needs to happen i need to have enough momentum and enough lightness for the quantum leap for the souls though that perceive themselves to be bad they don't have enough of that within their light bodies and so they can get stuck here because essentially they're weighed down by the pressure of of their own actions and for these types of souls they generally need helpers to help them move on and these helpers can be from the etheric realm sometimes these helpers are people who are actually incarnated that have the sight or the special ability sometimes these people would the, the ones that got stuck would need help from their ancestors or their family members. That is how sometimes like family members, like maybe, I don't know, they like feel the presence of their loved one or whatever, or like their loved one who just passed may come to them in their dreams for some type of absolution uh, and or forgiveness of sin, right? And when that happens, they're able to kind of take the load of their shoulders and finally move on. Hmm. Got it. Okay, and uh, maybe the last question is about heaven and hell. Where does it fit in the flow that you described? Yeah, so um, that heaven and hell is the version that... um, So basically, generally, it is for those souls, like specifically hell, hell, although heaven could be here as well, uh, for souls that are not fully ready to to move on yet, right? Um, they start experiencing it right away. Especially like if if you feel a lot of, um, so if you feel a lot of guilt around the life that you've lived, what this does is it creates a magnetic field around you, and that magnetic field around you is not positive. When you move, the moment that you leave your physical body, where you where you get into. And you don't know that. But what you get into is a place of perfect manifestation. Because the out-of-body scenario, the invisible world, is a place where your manifestation is instant. However, what happens for you is what you're projecting forth, right, is this magnetic frequency of I am bad and I deserve to burn in hell or whatever. or I deserve punishment. And that's, that's how you project Within your old cell of reality, you project your personal version of hell, whatever that may look like for you, right? For some people, say they killed someone and their personal version of hell is doing that act over and over and over again for eternity. They might literally experience that loop. For other people, it's burning in in, in fire. You know, they may experience that, whatever they do. Same thing with heaven, actually, you know? But if you're experiencing that, heaven or hell, that means that you actually have not really moved on from this realm, from the denser energies into the higher aspects. So you haven't really fully started, you, you haven't fully gotten into the, so it happens before the sortation room. Before the sortation room. Before the sortation room. Got it. Yes. And uh, in, in, in heaven, you basically also can live in the loop with just uh, a different kind of loop. Correct. It's a very positive loop. Yep right yep you just live it every day it's the same life maybe it's kind of this positive moment mm-hmm. and you just really enjoy it yep how much time can you actually spend in the loop um 
generally your guides would come for you oh and they yep. will rescue you yep. from mm -hmm. the hell yeah. or heaven or heaven <laughs> got it yeah. so it's kind of up to them sometimes yeah. they might just leave you there you're like ah he's having a good time That's <laughs> or so maybe not a good time but like let him stew in his own juices for a bit yeah because i remember i was watching this uh, tv series um uh lucifer yeah and he was in in hell it, it was a loop i kind of interesting yeah. how they nailed it <laughs> yeah no seriously some uh some of the hollywood movies are really on point yeah awesome yeah thank you so much for sharing this information uh, with us today and now i'm going to end this session Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a suggestion for a topic we should explore in the future, please email us at hello at conversationswithmyhigherself.co. If you resonate with our message, please consider leaving us a review or sharing this episode with your friends. The world is going to be better off for it. With much love. Maria and Sergei.